0: morning, everybody. Um, yeah, so Thursday night, I got a phone call, Johnny, asking me and the rest of the guys to share. I thought, yeah, he must be, like, <clears throat> planning September, October time. He's just doing the sermon planning, but actually it's for this Sunday. And he basically just asked the question, what is it that you've learned about God this year? And obviously... I could speak for hours on what, and that's not going to happen um, but I had to sort of take a moment and think what was the one thing uh, that I've learned about God and it's very, very simple and it's just around the theme of friendship um, so yeah I was in London last the year before this one at HTB and working for a charity called One Life we were looking at youth work and how we can do it better in the UK. And it was around this place where there's so much exciting stuff happening, lots of movement, new ideas, uh, propping up pretty much every day. And got to know Johnny over the year and then, um, yeah, ended up, I was sold on the vision, I was sold on the character of Johnny and I was up here. But I came here kind of thinking, I've been around this cool place, HDB, with one life, with a few pretty key leaders in the church. I've got some sweet ideas to bring. (laughs) I've got some amazing life strategies, plans, how we can make the church better, because I've I've had a year in London, so... (laughs) (laughs) These guys will... They don't know (laughs) any of this stuff, so I'm going to be an absolute gift. And (laughs) to say that... I'm not saying that wasn't true, but... God's not exactly used me in that way. He's not exactly done that in me this year. Um, He's actually been up to something completely different, which I didn't expect. And that's uh, bringing me close as a friend and teaching me what friendship means uh, in the life of discipleship, um, which has been amazing. It's been hard and humbling, but it's been very freeing and has opened me up to, yeah, a new dimension of what it means to be in relationship with God. Um, Yeah, in Genesis we have Adam and Eve, we have walking with God in the cool of the night, Uh, we have relationship, we have God giving Adam the task of naming the animals. There's just this amazing, like, closeness and intimacy of relationship um, between humanity and God. And then we all know what happens. We we screw up. We, we're not on board. We try and do our own thing. And basically the rest of the story is God trying to make it right again, trying to put it back together, trying to restore that relationship, that friendship with us. Um, and even as early as... Genesis, Exodus, there's this theme of friendship with God already propping up. Uh, Exodus 33 has been one of the chapters that we've sort of been dwelling on this year. And it says, this is Moses talking to God about going into the promised land. And God is saying, yeah, you can have it all. Um, but actually, I'm not going to go with you because of the way that you've treated me and you've dishonored me. Um, But Moses says, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. And that's the sort of relationship I want to have with God. It's the sort of church I want us to be, where we prioritize our friendship with God above anything else, above success, uh, above numbers, um, status, whatever it is, whatever your thing is, I'm learning that I want my number one thing to be friendship with jesus um and God would speak to Moses, he'd speak to Joshua as friends. It' amazing face to face, and that's what we can we can step into as as followers of God. I don't think I've done it um I don't think I'm anywhere near it, but Joshua. It's such an inspiration to me. It's just that verse where he just stayed in the tent of meeting. He stayed in God's presence way beyond anybody else. And that's what made him fit for leadership, what made him able to lead God's people into the Promised Land. Um, so that was their strategy. That was Josh, Joshua's and Moses' strategy was the, was the presence of God. And that's sort of been what we've been doing. We arrived, and we just started to worship and see and try and listen to what God was saying to us. And we did that in September in Johnny's living room. It was nice. And like in my head I was thinking this we'll do this for a few months and then we'll get you know we'll get going with the, the proper stuff. Uh this is nice. It's the nice sort of buffer period where we hang out as family and we take it easy and then we'll get going with the stuff. But actually we're still sort of doing that now, a year on. And I don't know if anybody's found that frustrating. <laughs> um, I have. There have been times when I've like, come on, what? when are we going to start, you know, at least doing midweek stuff? <laughs> but I so now think that we're doing the right thing. We're learning what it means to be in relationship with God before we do anything else. Because the moment we do other stuff and it's not coming from that place of deep, deep friendship with God then it's going to fall flat on its face anyway. So what's the point? (laughs) And we've got, I don't care how long it takes for us to learn what it means to, to hear his voice and to hear his heartbeat. And when we begin to do that, then we can think about the other stuff and obviously it's not as linear as like this 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 but that's what um i've been learning um it's all about friendship that's what i want to pursue and yeah if my if my motive for all the other stuff all the midweek all the good stuff, the homeless projects, the creative stuff in the city, whatever it is, if it's not, if I don't have that friendship as who I am, then it's not going to be worth anybody's time. And God's been sort of pruning me over this year. He's been highlighting maybe wrong motives, maybe I want to be part of a sweet church plant. And that's my motive rather than I've got a friendship with God, which I want to share with people. Um yeah and this friendship thing continues throughout the bible um God consistently calling his people back into right relationship um sometimes we just look at the laws and we look at this sort of anger of God, and we think it's not- it's not that related to friendship, but actually it's it's the whole reason it is friendship he wants that relationship restored and he wants us to be in his in line with his heart and that's that's why he doesn't want us to be living in sin. It's not because it's this it's because it blocks our our relationship with him. That's the, the whole point and we don't really see much progress in the old testament. We're still uh disobedient, we're still selfish and that's when Jesus takes matters into his own hands, really. Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> Jesus, the focal point of our faith, God, goes to such extreme measures to get this, this whole friendship thing back back on track. And the cross um, is the ultimate moment where it's, for me it's not God it's not Jesus saving us from God's wrath. It's it's God demonstrating His love. There's a subtle difference there. It's the ultimate display of friendship that He'll go to any any measure. Um, yeah, the verse that I was going to put up, I don't know if you have it, Gareth. Was I no longer call you servants? because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you." Um, this is John, and this is Jesus's sort of final words. And we know when he gets to the end, you gotta take him. This is like his, his thing. This is his bag, this is his message. What he's come to say is, I don't want you to stop living as a servant. And that would be my encouragement to us this morning, stop living as a servant, start practicing friendship. Um, yeah, God is more than just a concept. He's He's a person and we can, obviously there are differences in how we relate to each other and how we relate to God, but there's a lot we can take from how we relate to each other into our relationship with God. But I find that in church, we don't seem to do that much. I know I don't talk to God as if I'm talking to a person. I don't moan to God as if, like I do with my friends, I don't have the same amount of fun. Um, I get religious about it. And I think God's encouraging me to sort of... And I know it's all about relationship and not religion. I've been told that since I was five. Um, I've seen enough YouTube videos to know it's not about keeping the rules for the sake of it, but it's about friendship. And, yeah, there are a few things that I've learned in that context, almost more practical applications. Um, The first has been to lament, and that's something I didn't really do before I moved here, and it's not because it's been that hard really for me personally it's been tricky at times it's been a bit of a slog um, but I've really enjoyed my year and I've not been lamenting over my own life really, it's just that as I've got to know God better I've begun to to lament, I've I've never cried as much as I have this year, I think I've cried more this year than the rest of my life put together in living memory I mean as a baby (laughs) just don't get too yeah and there's two sort of things within lament there's there's hearing god's heart and there's crying as you hear that there's seeing the stuff that's been going on this year in london in manchester and as you pray feeling god's heartbreak and i've had that happen to me a lot i've not asked for it but just as i've got closer to god he i've felt his sadness over stuff and if my friend was crying next to me, then I would it wouldn't be long till I was crying with him, I do a think and the second thing within the whole lament thing is lamenting the not yet um, we've got a big vision here we talk about seeing God break in and we've seen glimpses but we've not really scratch the surface. And as a friend of God, I want to bring that to him. I want to engage with that. I don't want to shirk away for it or cover it up. But I want to go to him and say, I'm not, I don't see it, God. I'm not I'm not seeing what I want to see and what you have promised. So I'm gonna bring that and I'm gonna be annoyed because I trust you as a friend. And they second thing within the the obedience thing is within the friendship thing is obedience um within any relationship it's two sided isn't it it's not that God's just a friend to me <laughs> that would be that would be such a good deal <laughs> and it is that, but it's also that he wants me to be a friend to him um and that looks like obedience sometimes. When I don't really want it to, to to be like that, <laughs> um, it makes sin personal. I found that this year, as I've got to know, as I've got closer to God, sin has become way more offensive. Um, I've really had to deal with it, and I've had to look at it in a fresh way because I'm. It's not just this concept, it's not like I'm turning my back on a sort of worldview, I'm actually turning my back on a person. And that's, I'm not trying to guilt trip any, anything like that. Um, It's just that when you become friends with someone, it does become way more personal. And I don't wanna be turning my back on a person, uh, particularly (laughs) one, the perfect person of Jesus. So when I'm not in the mood, or when I'm trying to find excuses, I want to fall back on the friendship before I do my own thing. And then we've got rest. I mean, this whole friendship thing isn't like, we have a nice time of friendship with God, and then he sends us out. And then, we do the stuff, but he just sort of sends us along. It's actually he is with us. Friendship's ongoing. It takes time. It t- I mean, if, if I don't speak to, use Johnny for an example, if I don't speak to him once a week, then I'm feeling like a loss. I'm feeling um, not in right relationship. And he's, God is wanting this friendship to be ongoing. He's wanting it to go deeper and deeper every day, and part of that is rest. Um, a big part of that is rest. That's why in the Ten, that's why God takes it so seriously in the Ten Commandments. It's a day. It's a principle so that we can engage with God in that in that way in that deep way. Um, And I think when I first arrived, rest, I was like, rest for me was playing football manager under a duvet and <laughs> watching DVDs and just exhausted, like, taking the time out. Um, but actually, if you, like, plotted my days off, in the last few months, I've begun to just journal. I've begun to, like, write songs. It's not friendship with God hasn't become this sort of thing that I need. It's like this weight, it's actually just this joy to step into. And that's what rest is. It's not stepping back, it's stepping into something different. It's like refocusing. And there's this amazing quote, I'm sorry I've gone over, but I'll finish soon, by Thomas Merton. Um, And it says, a man can spend his whole life climbing a ladder, step by step, only to find it's the wrong one. That's why the whole rest thing is like, hold on, what's going on here? So I'd, if that's something you struggle with, if, that, if rest for you does look like a day of DVDs, I'd encourage you to think more deeply about what rest is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's what God's been doing. My encouragement to you would be God speaks to his friends, about he shares secrets with his friends. There's visions for the city, there's for this church and for the city. There's stuff that God has already been saying. You might think it's normal, but actually, it's something God's putting in you. Something He wants to grow. It's something that we as a church need to find a way of mining. Because yeah, there's dreams for the future, and I'm I know they're in this room because if we continue to pursue that friendship, God, I have no doubt that God will give us even more of what his heart is. So I'm excited to see the, the fruit of that. Anyway, Thank you for bearing with, and...
1: Um, I'm so glad that I got a journal because, <laughs> as you can see, I really need one. Um, no, I do have one at home, but it was very last minute. Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just want to firstly say thank you to all of you. I, I feel really welcomed in this place. Um, feels like family, as Duncan was saying. Feels like home. Um, I remember my... I was just sitting thinking, remembering the first time I came into the building with Josie, and we walked around the top floor, and I just started to weep and um i've got a song that i've written a long time ago um it's all about heaven and um at the end it says uh, only joy will fill this place and we will roar your name we will worship you forever we will worship you forever and uh, those are the lines that came to me as i walked around the top floor um so that's my prayer that that joy will flood this place um and that we will continue to roar god's name i was actually thinking last night I wish I'd just written a song and I could just play it <laughs> and then say that this is what God's, God's done and throughout the year because I'm not used to speaking. Um, but yeah, bear with. So we're going to go to Psalm 27, verse 13 to 14. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I'm going to read that again. It's just short, but it's so powerful. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So yeah, this year, um, Johnny has constantly reminded us all and Amy and the whole team that we've to be expecting that God's going to move in this place, in this city, in this world. Um, and this has been quite new to me. I don't think I would have... Um, yeah, I, j- I don't think I would have thought about that as much as what I have since moving to Nottingham. Um, and the interesting thing, um, I was Googling last night, expectant means to have or to show an excited feeling that something is about to happen, especially something good. And that, That's so exciting, isn't it? We know that something good is going to happen because God's going to do it. Um and I love how it says I'll remain, it doesn't say, um, it says I'll remain confident, it doesn't say I'll become confident or I'll try to stay confident, it says I'll remain confident and to remain is to abide, um, it's to cling on to, it's to hold on to what God uh, has promised and he's promised so, so much to us um, he's promised that if we search for him we will find him. He's promised that his love will never fail. He's faithful in every single way. And he has promised that there is salvation to all. And these are just a few of God's amazing promises. And to remain confident is to trust, to hope, and to know in this case that God will and has shown his goodness here and now. So yeah, I thought that was quite interesting that it says, I'll remain confident. When I think back on this last year, there have been so many times where it would have seemed easy to give up. Um, there have been times where I felt like giving up hope. Um, I felt out of my depth and unsure where God is moving around me and in me, longing for Him to move. But I found myself on oh, the Sunday after the Manchester attack, um, leading worship. And I was so broken, so broken. I didn't know how I was going to lead worship. I was hurting for our world, for um, the people of Manchester. I was angry. But the words that started to come out of my mouth when, I, when we began to worship as a team, as a church, were, um, I'll actually just sing it. it, was like, I'm desperate for you, I'm longing for you, Jesus, Redeemer, come. I'm desperate for you, I'm longing for you. I'm going to get emotional. Jesus, Redeemer, come. And that, for me, was like, God, I trust you. I trust that you are good in every situation. And I long for you to move and power in this place. Don't, Don't get me wrong, it's not easy to do that. It's not easy to stand up the front and declare that God is good. Um, but yes, he's good. And I have to remain confident in this, that God is going to move in the land of the living. Take heart, wait for the Lord. We need to wait for God. Worship and wait. That's what we've been doing for the last nine months. We've been worshiping and we've been waiting. Wait for the Lord. I hope it's okay if I share this, but um, Easter week was um, crazy, it was so crazy. We were moving into the building. Um, on the Wednesday, we got set up. Our stage was built. The sound was all put in. Um, we had our first band rehearsal on, in the church on the Wednesday night, and our first service was the Thursday night. Um, and that night, all of not all of the stuff, but a lot of the stuff was stolen. Um, people came in, took the equipment, uh, cut the leads. And I arrived the next morning and thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? <laughs> um, you know, I think I took my eyes off God for a second and forgot just to look to him and trust in him. So that day was hard. Um, not going to lie, it was really hard. The TVs were being drilled into the walls as we started to worship that night. Um, but God showed up in power and... We started singing um, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure. And then people started to weep and God's presence started to touch people's hearts in this place. And if we hadn't been expectant, I don't think we would have seen that happen here. So that's my encouragement for us all is to remain expectant. The other thing that God's been talking to me about is remaining in love. Um, I felt so loved by you Um, and I think God is breaking my heart for what breaks his and that's partly to do with the boxing club and um, I'm I'm going in there and I'm I'm just going to go try and show Jesus his love. And um, this is a message version in Romans 12, verse 9 to 17. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the... of the master cheerfully expectant cheerfully expectant that means that we have to have joy you know our God reigns he's he's alive cheerfully expectant don't quit in hard times pray all the harder help needy Christians be inventive in hospitality bless your enemies no cursing under your breath laugh with your happy friends when they're happy Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with the nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. And then it ends in verse 21. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. So I encourage you to go out, to remain confident and to do good in this world. <laughs> I'm excited for all that God has to come in Trinity.
2: I promise I'll be quick. Um, oh, aren't Johan Duncan amazing? <laughs> like, like, first, you have to follow that. But also, oh, just like, Before I even start saying what I'm saying. Like, getting to live with these two and to know them, like, that's what God's taught me. Like, all that they are, all that they know of Jesus, all that they... There is a 95% chance that I'm going to cry while I talk about this, but just so long. Um, (laughs) They are phenomenal people who deeply understand the Father's love. And it has changed my life, getting to know them and having them in my life. So, thank you. Um, Oh. Okay, I'll, I'll read the Bible because that's always a good place to start. Um, so I'm going to be reading from Matthew 7, starting at verse 7 to 11. It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or yeah, or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Um, I'm going to give a little bit more background context to me getting to this year because um, this year God has utterly changed me um, in a deeply foundational and fundamental way. Um, it's been really hard. It's been probably one of the hardest years of my life, but it's been phenomenal. Um, and the story is far from finished. <laughs> There's still a lot that God's doing and will continue to do in that work from from what he's begun this year. But um so I didn't grow up going to church. None of my family goes to church. Um, I started going to church when I was 17, um, through a friend. And um at that time, I sort of grown up always being quite, um, quite a good person, if, if you know what I mean, like by the world standards, like, I was well behaved, I was good at school, I did all the right things, I, you know, carried the weight of the world upon my shoulders, I thought I could fix every problem I encountered, <laughs> I, you know, I had it sorted, um, and then I started going to church and I just encountered this group of people who loved, they absolutely loved me. Um, they loved me like I'd never been loved. They loved me in, a, in friendship in a way that I didn't know friendship could be. Um, and it began something in me. I thought, oh, I think, there's, I think there's a bit more for my life than what I'm seeing. Um, and it was like my late teens were a bit tough. <laughs> it's a long story. Um, but I left um, Devon and went to university in London when I was 19. Um, an utterly, utterly broken person. Um, weighed down by the things I'd experienced, um, hurt, um, in pain, and I started going to HTB when I started my degree, met Johnny and Amy then, um, and what I encountered there was Jesus, the person of Jesus, and I was utterly captivated, utterly captivated by who he was, who he is, um, I was overwhelmed by his goodness. I was overwhelmed by his kindness and his gentleness and everything that he is. And he's just incredible. He's amazing. And I began to see healing like I'd never believed possible. And to see God transform my perspective. He transformed what I believed was possible for my life, what I believed was possible for the people around me what I believed he wanted for his kingdom in this world. And I was, I was sold. I'm like, I'm in, take me, have all of me, everything. Um, and I'd pray every single time we'd go to church, I'd be like, Lord, teach me, start with me. Tell me, tell me what you want from me. Tell me what I can give you. Tell me what I can do for you. I just want everything that you are and everything that you have for me. And that was such an, like an honest cry. It was a deep desire within me. And I was so desperate. I just wanted it that I'd um, sort of grown up, always wanting to become a doctor. I studied neuroscience at uni. And then in my third year of university, I sort of wasn't really sure that God was okay with that. I was like, are you sure that you want me to be a doctor? I mean, I think we're all right with this. I think me and you're on the same page, but yeah, you know, I'll just check. Um, and so I went to uh, the 24-7 prayer room at HTB every week for three months. And I said, Lord, take take my plans. I lay down my desire to get married. I laid down my desire to have a family. I lay down everything that i want for my life tell me what you want from me tell me what you have for me and all he said to me in three months was "Josie, i've called you to be a leader And i was like well you could have told me something i don't know like come on i need some more details than that um and so like probably about six weeks after that um i felt god say to me um in a, a long story that he was calling me to be ordained um to become a vicar in the church of england um And I just dropped my life plans and went, okay, Um, which is a very, very scary thing to do. Don't do that. It's a bad idea. Um, And so, um, yeah, so I kind of dropped all my plans and panicked at the end of university and was like, oh, what do I do now? Um, And just decided to apply for any job that I could get. And I I got a job working at Great Ormond Street Hospital as admin staff on their oncology ward. and it was a year of confusion. I was like, where am I going? What are you doing? You've given me this massive call. You've done all this incredible stuff in my life. Where am I going next? What am I doing now? And during that year, it was also a time of, of like, even more healing. Healing upon healing is just all that God has done in me. <laughs> um, and at the end, kind of this, this time last year, maybe sort of May last year, Johnny uh, and Amy had told me that they were coming to Nottingham to plant a church. And I knew that I'd always wanted to go on a church plant. I knew I'd always wanted to be a part of something like that. Um, But, and I kind of always knew that I'd want to go with Johnny and Amy. Um, It seemed a bit soon. (laughs) I wasn't really expecting to leave London. Um, But it all sort of lined up, and I thought, well, I want to do this, so why not? Um, And decided to move. And... I think I would say that my perspective, because, because of all the things that I'd seen of Jesus, because of all of the incredible things that he'd done in my life, because of his goodness and his faithfulness and his kindness and the way that his presence had like fallen upon me and my friends when we were at students, it was just, I was like, yes, what can I do for you? What can I give to you? I want to give myself for you, Lord. And I came and, oh, have I given myself, but not in the way that I ever expected, I think to me obedience to God looked like doing it looked like going it looked like giving and what God has taught me this year is that he doesn't need anything from me he doesn't want anything from me in terms of my actions he just wants me he just wants me and he just wants to love me and I would say that, as you can tell from what I've described, like, I love Jesus. Like, I get Jesus. And I love the Spirit. I get the Spirit. I get that God would want to bring his kingdom, that he would want to be active, that he would want to do something. But the Father, I'm not really sure. That's probably what my perspective would have been before this year. The Father, like, I mean, I get it. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's kind of important. He's sort of the beginning and the end. But, I mean, who really is he? I don't know, um, and this year for me has been a journey of discovering and understanding who the Father is. That Jesus came to reveal the Father. That that Jesus came to be a full representation of who the Father is. And so all this time that I've been thinking that I don't really get the Father, God is sort of revealing to me: No, you do. You do. Let me love you. And so this year, I've sort of been in, you know, step by step, constantly trying to do, constantly trying to give, a little bit like Duncan was talking about, like, when are we going to do the stuff? When are you going to let me out? When are you going to, like, let me go? And every time I've tried to do that, every time I've tried to do that, even in my personal life, God's been like, stop. Just stop and wait. I've been like, no, 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 I've got this stuff to do. I've got to go. He's like, stop, Josie. Just stop just let me love you. Let me love you. And that has been probably one of the most painful things that I've ever had to do, (laughs) because in order to allow God to love me, I've had to let go of all of my control, all of my um, preconceived ideas about what it means to be loved, all of my ideas about what I think God should love me like, and say, okay, I'm going to wait, and I'm going to sit, and I'm going to, long for you in my pain, and I'm going to let you come and heal my pain, and I'm going to let you come and love me with the full force of who you are. And guys, that's not easy. And we stand at the front and talk about letting God love us all the time. And I admire that. I adore that. I am so on board with that. My whole journey of this year has been being on board with that. But it's hard. And you can't, my experience at least, is it's really hard to let God love you if you're holding on to your pain it's really hard to receive his love if you're protecting yourself with your pain. And in order to receive the fullness of who he is, we have to hand over our pain and say, You take it. I trust you with it. And for not for a second would I stand here and say that that's an easy thing to do, or that you should just snap your fingers and hand it over and it'll be fine. It's a journey, it's a process, it's painful, it's hard. But he is so good. He's so good. I promise he's good. <laughs> even when it seems that the darkness is one and it seems that there is absolutely no way that God's going to come through, he's good. He's good and he's faithful and he's present and he's there and he's fighting for you, even when it feels like he's not. And I hope that I never forget that. I hope that I never, ever turn my back on that. I hope that I always remain in his love, like John was talking about, remain in his love, remain in who he is, that's, that's all it's about. That's all it needs. That's all he needs is you to let him love you. I'm sorry that I've just gone on a massive rant for ages. I, I'm done now. <laughs> but, thanks, guys.